0: To another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast, and uh, in here in the deep, dark annals of uh, Foggy. Gentilly, Foggy Gentilly, Foggy. is uh, sitting around my table once again is Dave and Fredo. Everybody say hi,
1: hello, oh, hi,
0: yeah. So, uh, um, big news for today in New Orleans land is Jazz Fest lineup came out, yes. Woo! So, that was a uh, good lineup. Uh, Very cool. good lineup. A lot of us sitting there clicking refresh, 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 like we're trying to get Comic-Con tickets because we want to know who's coming. But uh, um, what acts are exciting you guys?
2: The one that went up top of my head the moment I saw it was the Wu-Tang Clan featuring the Soul Rebels. Because that, I mean, this says something when you can mash hip-hop with jazz, brass bands. I mean, that, that should be a, an exciting, fun show.
0: Right on. Dave, What uh, anything hit you?
1: Uh Brandy Carlisle right away because I I was actually scooping out tickets, uh, for her uh, a few weeks back, and I'm like, ooh, those are a little pricey, and so Jazz hi, Fest makes yeah? it, yeah, right on. So that's a happy coincidence, and I've never seen the Foo Fighters. After all these years, I've still never seen them, so they're kind of on the bucket list too. So, that's
0: um, for me, uh, well, first of all, I made I made the comment that it was like my wife's iPod got uh, um, invited <laughs> to Jazz Fest. I mean, it's like so. Um, now we're having to, you know, push, push money around to make sure we can get to what we want to. But the one I'm really looking forward to is actually probably one of the more obscure ones is, uh, they're called Ranky Tanky and it's uh, a jazz group out of, uh, I think North Carolina, North Carolina, South Carolina. And actually my former boss sent me a text like, uh, in the summer, he said, have you heard of Ranky Tanky? And no. And so I looked it up and they're just a fun group. They sound like they could be from New Orleans sound like they could be from new orleans um it's a mixture of, like i said of uh it, yeah it's, it's just really really cool so i encourage you to look at ranky tanky um i'm gonna take a little bit issue uh no i'm not gonna take issue with that because i'm gonna take issues with other things later i'll take issues with my jazz fest rantings as you all want to do yeah I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't i don't i don't want i don't want i don't want the Twitterverse to come after me but uh you know i think uh I think uh, it looks like a great lineup, you know, a mixture of all sorts of styles. All these styles are are derived from jazz. Um, um, You know, um, that's what people, when you talk about Wu-Tang Clan, talk about Lizzo, you talk about um, the Who, even, you know, all of them, you know, all that music comes from jazz. Jazz, you know, if you know jazz history, it morphs into and takes twists and turns to all these styles of music. We would not have, you know, Wu-Tang Clan if it was not for you know uh, by John Coltrane right. <laughs> or stuff like so, that
2: no I think I think the one good th- one of the interesting and good things that they've done is they give you an eclectic mix of both headlines yeah the the who and Foo Fighters and Lisso they're gonna be what draw people in those right Saturdays and even those Fridays are gonna be packed you know they're're they're gonna be packed full of people but what happens is is that also gives you opportunity to go find an artist go to discover somebody like samantha fish to discover uh maybe an old jazz you go to the jazz dance and discover an old uh, artist that you never knew of well
0: that's that happened to Britt and i a couple of years ago there's a, an artist that we just fell in love with and all we were doing was getting out of the rain so we could see kermit ruffins do his mm-hmm. Louis armstrong set um, now, my last thing I'll say about, and this is not a Jazz Fest podcast, but it is a NOLA-based thing, um, which we'll talk about an upcoming episode later. We'll be have a NOLA Mardi Gras link to it. Um, but um, one of the coolest things, because I, you know, I used to teach um, high school band, and in teaching jazz band, obviously teaching the history of jazz, and the first uh, group to ever record. The the first recording of of jazz music that was, I guess, marketed and everything was was the original Dixieland jazz band. Mm -hmm. And um, here, I think it was our first jazz fest here. And Brittany and I stumbled into the tent with the original Dixieland jazz band. And the trumpet player who was heading up the group was the grandson, I think, of the original uh, trumpet player for that group, and immediately I sent a text to my former assistant band director, and I said, "Rick, you're never going to believe this." I mean, it was, so it was that connective tissue was just you know it wasn't even six degrees, you know mm-hmm. it was it was way cool.
2: Well, that's one of the things that's always fun about jazz is you see the new generations of the old legends. Like there's going to be a tribute to Art Neville, headlined by Aaron Neville. Yeah. Meanwhile. Know Ivan Nevels and some of the other Nevels have their own side projects, they're all playing at Jasper. So, you know, it's very much a musical generations playing, and during this event, that makes it so much fun.
1: Yeah, you go to um, like the gospel tent, for example, and just Bathe in that for a while. You're like I need I feel to get like out- you're in the Blues Brothers. You know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I need to get out of the sun for a while. Let me go over to the gospel tent. And you know, like you can just wander, and I, that's the best thing about it to me. It's like you, yeah. We have our acts that we really want to see, um, but you can just wander the grounds and
2: drink and eat along the way yeah
0: <laughs> that was a okay so that was another thing i saw it's real quick on on twitter i almost um replied back to it but again i didn't want to bring down the thunder um i'm, I'm a chicken on twitter um but it was it was i'm not i'm not going to say what organization it was or anything like that but they the the headline that and that they're promoting through their twitter feed was the best places to drink during mardi gras <laughs> And I wanted to reply back. You bring a cooler, fill Standing your own stuff, and go wherever the hell you want to. <laughs>
2: exactly. You bring your own hooch. You stand on the, on like, the side or the neutral ground or sidewalk. It's and, like, what are you
0: talking about? You know, the only reason I go into the Avenue Pub, I will buy a beer at the Avenue Pub, so I can get a drink, so I can get a bathroom ticket. Right. That's worth it to me there. But otherwise, I got a cooler of my own beer. You know, and you go wherever you want, walk mm-hmm. up and down the parade route. If so. I
1: wrote that article, I would. I it would be um, four words or. Yeah. Five words. Neutral ground side and side. sidewalk side. That'd be it. That's all you need because yeah. you just go out there and you enjoy. You don't need to be hanging out in a bar the whole
2: time. Yeah. You bring your six pack, you make your you know, Jello shots, you bring your uh, flask and you're good to go.
0: Yep. So and uh we'll be in a future episode uh be discussing a hopefully the we're going to be discussing the um more nerdy side of Mardi Gras with the the Chewbacca's crew, the intergalactic crew of Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. So, um, be listening for that upcoming episode. We're, uh, hopefully going to have a special guest to talk intelligently about that. Otherwise it would be the three of us and our, you know, drunken, uh, recollections of Chewbacca's yeah.
2: just waving <laughs> and getting uh, nerdy stickers and throws.
0: Oh, you know, it'd be fun. We should have for a future episode. We, we, when we're at Chewbacca's, we should ha- just somebody get out your iPhone and record live, so then we can plug it in. Um, preferably not when anybody's in a fight. But anyway, oh, yeah. um, I digress. So hey, it's now that time for Star Wars trivia. Need to get. A, I was thinking about today. We need to get a little clip of the Jeopardy theme that won't get us, you know, in copyright, you know, infringement. Put that over the top of these. But anyway, um, so every week we uh, ask each other. Um, some random Star Wars questions on these handy dandy little cards and uh, see who knows what. And it's that time of the night where I have to hold mine further away. So I'm going to start asking Dave and we should bring in buzzers now. That'd be fun too. Anyway, no, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, oh, okay. Who opens his robe with his left hand and draws his lightsaber to his right hand using the force in count Dooku's secret Geonosian hanger give everyone a second i drew from the easy pile that would be yoda that would be yoda Mm -hmm. and that was the one of the best scenes you know that's the thing when people talk about fan service of the rise of skywalker Mm -hmm. yoda pulling out a lightsaber in episode two
1: yeah that that's going to be hard to top uh, that's
0: ultimate fan service i didn't care that he was leaping around like kermit the frog in muppet treasure island it was that was i remember i was at celebration two and they showed a little bit of that yoda fight scene and the place just went nuts
2: yeah all i could think of when then when it happened and the audience exploded was uh pro wrestling when some famous wrestler popular wrestler comes out and everybody just starts losing their mind yeah that's pretty much on that i level. can't
1: believe they showed that because like to me i went in completely blind and when that happened i was like dear I, lord how, this how, is amazing how
0: was it to draw the lightsaber (laughs) by the force i mean (laughs) that was and then of course to have the wherewithal at the end of that whole scene for him to use the force to grab the cane and he Mm. starts hobbling off again that's that's that
1: that was a really nice touch Mm -hmm.
0: and actually when i got my first big screen tv that was i queued up attack of the clones to that point i wanted to see the yoda fight scene on a big screen tv and i was just so happy so (laughs) anyway all right dave ask a question of Fredo
1: Yes So who lost The Millennium Falcon In a friendly game Of Sabacc
2: Okay We'll give everybody a minute But we know that It wasn't that friendly Because they were both Trying to cheat Which was always A fun aspect Of uh, that Of Solo uh, That was Lando Calrissian
0: Correct Was Han cheating By well, trying to keep Lando from cheating
2: No no I, th- I think it was f- The first time they played He was mm-hmm. cheating but Lando cheated better. Second time, I think uh, did Han. It? I don't think
0: Han cheated. Did he not? I just thought he was uh, he was just cocky.
1: I'm gonna have to watch that again to yeah, see I if know. he was cheating. Was, I know uh, the second Lan, one. He Lando had that card. Yeah, he yeah. grabbed the card from him to yeah, prevent no, I know. him from using it. We yeah. know
0: Lando was trying to cheat, but I don't think yeah. Han was cheating. I don't think well, so. I think
2: he pulled out that card that Lando had thrown, put in his thing, and swapped this out.
0: By the way, interesting thing. This was not on our subject. I'll just throw this out, quick yeah. reactions, Because uh, the Star Wars Underworld, um, again, a podcast I listen to all the time. Those, it's a fun podcast to listen to. Um, they tweeted out a, uh, I can't remember what their source was, but apparently um, episode three, original concept was to have an orphaned Han Solo who was pretty much adopted by Chewbacca mm-hmm. there on Kashyyyk to help the um the jedi fight fight off uh the clones and everything or mm-hmm. fight fight off the uh i'm sorry the um the, tr- the, the droids and everything
2: right it's an interesting concept i remember hearing about that back when it was because there was a concept of wait a minute you're getting to the point where luke and Leia are going to be born han is a few years older so we should be able to see kid han so sort of was like 10 year old han yeah I exactly nine no, 10 year old han and part of me was like okay that's interesting but then part of me would have been totally unnecessary it's fan service
1: the life debt was originally the original story right in like the eu Mm -hmm. the original eu so um i'm glad they went back to that and we got to see that unfold in solo i thought that was really cool
0: what if and i gotta get we gotta get fredo to ask me his question but Mm -hmm what if, and this kind of is a little leads into what our discussion for tonight is going to be. Um, cause I thought about that life debt and it's like, so, um, Kylo Ren kills, uh, Han Solo. And, um, so Chewie, if, if he did have that life debt with Han at that point, that was still kind of in the, in the lore. Mm-hmm. Then what if, Chewie would have sacrificed himself to save Han's son in The Last Jedi. How would have people reacted to that, to pay back that life debt by saving his son?
1: I don't know. I mean, like, he... He was so angry with the moment what, he shot him with a bowcaster. That which, so. that was an awesome moment. <laughs> right. Speaking of awesome moments,
2: yes. Yeah. that was everybody's reaction. It's like, yeah, shoot him. But anyway,
0: I, I, it would have been kind of a interesting, noble end to it, Chewbacca. But would I, I would have been. still freaked out if I mean, you can't kill Chewie.
2: And I think it, it all depends on the execution. A lot of this stuff comes down to how you make it, how you explain it, how you manage it. Because from if you just if it's just the way you describe, it, some people might have been taken aback and said. You can't have Chewbacca sacrifice himself for the guy who killed Han Solo. That's not the way it works, even if it's his kid. No. So again, it's all an execution. A lot of a lot of this comes down to how you make it. So
0: So yeah, we're gonna be talking about what ifs tonight. So are, that's yes. uh anyway, right, Okay, so. so
2: before we go what ifs, uh Aaron, who does Luke Skywalker address as exalted one?
0: All right, well, we'll let people think about it, and I'm looking at his ugly mug right now. <laughs> sitting in his sail barge and that would be java slash pizza the hut
2: that would be pizza the
1: hut correct all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> space reference yes, right. yes yes
0: yes um, pizza will
2: tell them for you
0: so uh cool well that was our trivia and a little bit of uh, just kind of uh bantering back and forth um but we want to talk about some uh mandalorian stuff here real mm-hmm. quick because some some uh tidbits have dropped um and just to get kind of everybody's take, uh, around here. First of all, um, there was a story that was going around that, um, there were going to be characters from the Skywalker saga, um, that were going to be in season two of the Mandalorian. And, um, so immediately I remember, I I think we're at trivia Fredo. I Mm -hmm. think we were talking about this on Tuesday and, um, you know, a lot of people were going straight for, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be Han or it's going to be, you know, I thought one that kind of made, if you're going to go big names, it's like probably Luke because the Mandalorian going to have to, you know, find the Jedi basically is what the armorer, you know, said yeah. he needed to do to get Yoda, baby Yoda back to his own kind. But, and I, there's ways you can do that by, you know, if you want to do the de-aging thing that they like did with Sam Jackson and stuff like that. You know, you could do that with Mark Hamill and, you know, you know, cause he's at that point still
1: Boba Fett would make sense.
0: You know, there's a, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot, you know, but I think, and then I got actually got into a little conversation on Twitter about, um, cause somebody said, you know, they should just do, well, I, I, they should just do a movie with no related characters from any of the movies ever. And, um, so, and I, but I'm always thinking, it's like, so what, if, if it makes sense that there is a connection, it's one thing to drop in young Han Solo or, you know, a different Han Solo just to, just cause it's because he's alive at the same time. But if it makes sense within the story, why not have some of these people we're going to talk about here in a second, you know, Mm -hmm. there has to be that connective tissue because yeah, it's a big galaxy, but it's, you know, it's still star Wars. It's, you know, kind of makes sense and it makes people feel at ease so we talked about you know you know who might it be um boba fett does make sense who else makes sense i mean
2: well we know kind of who they're going with but i uh, you know luke made the most sense from the standpoint of if you need to seek out jedi Well, there's only one jedi in the galaxy at that point so luke which hangs- then
0: leads me to think if you know if you're a rebels fan um would this be the time where they could do a live action ahsoka
1: yeah, you know, possibly. I mean, she if she fits fits into the story, but that's always the big if, right? Yeah, um, I it mean, make sense. Um, I was thinking like more rebellion soldiers. I mean, that's
0: not, I'm sorry, that's not a Skywalker saga character. So I mm-hmm. I yeah. call foul well, on myself but, on that one. But. You know,
1: like we've got Cara Dune who's like looking for action, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of her plot, which is like, there's no war, so what do I do with myself? um you could explore that angle with a lot of different characters who were involved in the conflict so So as
0: we're thinking about this it was you know all of a sudden then i sent you guys the the tweet um because somebody tweeted at the actress um i'm gonna probably totally kill her name um but janina uh, genevieve o'reilly no 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 No. that's a different one uh janina uh uh, gavin Gavin gavankar
2: gavankar yeah
0: gavankar Um, She was in uh, Sleepy Hollow, the last season of Sleepy Hollow. That was a fun series to watch Mm -hmm. if you didn't watch that. Um, But she also lent her likeness and her voice to a character in Battlefront 2, which I haven't played Battlefront Mm -hmm. 2, but she is a TIE fighter pilot.
2: She is a TIE fighter pilot slash lieutenant in the Imperial Army at the last days of the... Rebellion,
0: and from what I understand, she's like there on Endor, and looks up and sees the Death Star go boom. Oh yeah, well not you just know?
2: that. She is actually her father's supposed to be kind of one of the admirals or generals from you know, of the Empire, and he's been put in charge of the contingency plan of the one of the contingency plans of the Emperor. Well, anyway, somebody, so
0: yeah, so somebody somebody tweets to her and says, "Is this true that you're going to because?" Mm-hmm um said well the rumor is that she's going to be re- reprising that role of um Aiden Versio mm-hmm. um in The Mandalorian and somebody said is this true she said i don't know you're going to have to ask Dave Filoni <laughs> I was like well why why do you do that that's a, i mean that's mm-hmm. a yes anyway so anyway i found this tweet that has this it looks like a poster of because. all the people who are going to be in uh you know a lot of people who are going to be in the Mandalorian. One is like you said, Genevieve O'Reilly, Mon Mothma. Um, she played Mon Mothma in Episode Three and in Rogue One. Um, and it it makes sense, sense because she's Chancellor of the New Republic at this time. You it's a
2: third decade with this character. It's interesting. Yeah. For a character that was just in for a few seconds, she might
0: actually end up looking exactly like the original Mon Mothma, <laughs> kind of aged enough. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, that one makes sense because I mean, it's the New Republic is kind of a an element, and again, that's not to me that's not like over the top fan service, like you know, throwing in um, oh Doctor Evazon Avez- and Ponda Baba in you know <laughs> in Rogue One or Bosk, you know. Well, well, he's in this. He's Apparently, Bosk might be in, you know, the second season of The Mandalorian. But, um,
2: but even something like that, his character makes sense. He's a bounty hunter. The Mandalorian is a bounty hunter.
0: Yeah, of course, we've already seen, you know, the Bosk species, the Trandosians, mm-hmm. you know, in the fir- you know first couple episodes. So, I mean, that's when I go. Do you need Bosk per se? Unless you're going to have what you said, Dave, Boba Fett.
1: Right. That's another uh, option for us. So I, uh, and we spent all that time. Uh, I think after after that one episode with the cameo at the very end, we're trying to dissect who would that be. And um, so, if we're if we're thinking about original trilogy characters, um, Boba Fett may still make an appearance. I don't know, but uh, not that I'm pulling for that necessarily. I still I think that would be more interesting if they went another direction.
0: And you're going to, so you, you lay that little tidbit out there of, uh, you know, Skywalker saga characters. And again, everybody goes immediately to the big, you know, big leads. And it's like, well, these are those characters again, that don't have much screen time, you know, really. I mean, Mon Mothma does in Rebels and in, you know, um, uh, Rogue Rogue One, but I mean, again, it makes sense, and it's not like just throwing it in to, to make people happy. I think it's kind of cool. Um, well, and
2: it's, it's a way to expand those character stories. I mean, we've spent plenty of time with Han, with Luke, with Leia, with Chewie, R2, 3PO. This is giving you the opportunity to kind of go away from them and explore, even if it's just a few minutes, of what those other characters are doing that you kind of know but you don't and getting a bit more of who they really are. And
1: Mon Mothma really makes the imagination swirl mm-hmm. because you you think about like where, what context would a bounty hunter have to encounter like the ruler of the galaxy essentially. And well, so, but if
0: you're, if you're going to have to find the, find where the Jedi are, you're probably going to have to make, her, I'm guessing we're going to see Coruscant.
1: I think mm-hmm. if he gets to that level, mm-hmm. if he encounters her, he will have to have gone through some crazy uh, nonsense to have gotten to that point, which mean, tells me everything's going to go crazy sideways. Well,
2: interesting aspect about the item versus character in, in the Battlefront 2 story sequence is that she does come upon and fights Luke Skywalker when she's an Imperial, but then later on she turns against the Empire, joins the Resistance, or mm. is a rebellion. So she becomes uh, a fighter on the good side. So she does know, she has some history with luke skywalker the last jedi so, so there'd
0: be maybe a a clash there between moff gideon and iron
2: or you know he um. could also know about the you no know, because she will, she worked both sides so she might have known some of the stuff the imperialists but she may also act as a conduit to say if you need to find somebody who knows who where luke skywalker is you need to talk to Mon on mothma that that's a secret not of not everybody knows she would be one of the few people in the galaxy who might
1: she could be a um uh, compatriot of uh, Cara Dune too, it could be. as well. Yeah. I
2: mean,
0: We're or former about... adversaries. One's a right. former mm-hmm. shock trooper. One's former tie pilot. You know, right. So, and it, this kind of gets into the uh, uh, you know another rumor that was out there was uh, the next movies that are coming up. Were are going to be set in the um, what they call it the, the, High the High Republic, and which is four hundred years prior to the Skywalker Saga. And so there is the possibility that you could still have Maz Kanata and Yoda. Right. So again, it's like you can, but hopefully there, you know, I would like to see stories where, and see how it goes, stories without any of that connective tissue. Because I think, again, Star Wars is not just about, oh, I've got to see C-3PO, otherwise it's not Star Wars mm-hmm. to me. Because um, I was actually kind of a little torque that, they were in rogue one it was just shoehorned in because they had to be in um but i mean high republic jedi are running around everywhere i mean it would make sense that there would be a you know
2: you know the adolescent thing, but, yoda i don't well, know yeah a young, well if we're going by 900 year uh lifespan subtract 400 years from that he's only in his uh five in his, his mid 500s <laughs> He's a, he's a very spry 500-year-old Yoda, so he's only reaching middle age for his PC. He's
0: not even the AARP status Exactly,
2: yet. exactly. He hasn't even gotten to his uh, uh, retirement uh, benefits yet. But what I was thinking about was this gives you an opportunity to expand on the Jedi lore so much. I mean, we got a glimpse of it in Phantom Menace. That was always the idea of that George Lucas said, like, we've never seen a duel between the Jedi at their peak and the Sith at their peak this kind of gives you the opportunity to go nuts with all that because you're going to have Jedi at their peak, at the apex of their power, the Republic at the apex of its power. So whatever conflict you want to throw in, you can hire the best martial artists, stunt people. You can go nuts with it if you want to. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's like, well, imagine the action sequences you can put on this.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I That would be the one thing that would be exciting about that setting, right? Because again, it's a prequel, you know, where we're headed. Um, you know, certain people it's set so far in the past that you know it's, it's basically just Yoda that we would probably have, maybe not, right. but um, yeah, you know, you're you like, well, Yoda's gonna survive, right? Um, but if he's not a main character, then it that doesn't really affect things too terribly badly. But you're right, the special, you know. The stunt coordinating on something like that could be insane. And I, I would love to see more I, Darth Maul-esque duels.
2: I was think back to the, HBO does a TV show called Westworld. And they were saying how all the stunt guys in Hollywood were desperate to get on it. Because they're like, they see that as kind of the tradition of old Hollywood. How, you know, because they began making Westerns on the back lots of, on the outside deserts of South California. So the idea of riding a horse and falling off and getting dragged by the horse or shooting. So that was, you know, the idea of being able to do that in the 21st century. Now with all the technology and all the stuff, we have kind of dazzled them and kind of made everybody want to be in it. And I'm just thinking, can you imagine if you can get all the stunt guys, and all the guys who train with swords and all the guys who, you know, from the East, from the Middle East, from Latin America, all the guys who train, grow up with sour and say, You can be a Jedi in the middle of a Jedi battle.
1: You know what movie I watched recently that Mm -hmm. takes me back to those like stunt roots of Hollywood, which Mm -hmm. is uh, Mask of Zorro? Oh, yes. That movie is just so good Mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. You want to watch people, you know... just. Just jumping off horses and jumping onto horses and just flipping like, and just don't
0: hold your lightsaber like a baseball bat exactly exactly
2: <laughs> go more the count dooku kind of dueling fencing master kind of thing yeah
1: bring the fencing into it too just get the stunt coordinator from Mas uh, mask involved and <laughs> i think it would be awesome
2: but yeah like i said uh, it
0: gets like i said i i think it's it would be okay you know again does it's 400 years prior does yoda have to be in it no no so, I hope that if they do, that it's again not just like you know shoehorned in just to make people go, hey, Yoda, you mm-hmm. know, but it makes sense with the or and same thing with Maz Kanata. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of baby Yoda, mm-hmm. from adolescent Yoda to baby Yoda, um, uh, flipping through my Apple news and uh, an article came up a couple weeks ago. Um, the is from inverse.com and the uh, uh, title was Mandalorian Season 2 Theory Links Baby Yoda to a Dark Side Icon. And I was like, ooh, okay, I want to read this. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get into kind of the heart of the article. It says, the gist of the theory, and I'm reading here from the article, the gist of the theory lies in the canonical Star Wars novel Master and Apprentice. It takes place, and this was just released back in uh, May. No, it was just this past year. Okay. I mean, it just came out because they were talking about it at Celebration. Um, so, anyway, the gist of the theory lies in the canonical Star Wars novel Master and Apprentice. It takes place before the Phantom Menace and follows the adventures of Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, expanding upon the prophecy of the Chosen One. That's right, in the same, it's the same one that hinted at Anakin Skywalker would bring balance to the Force. In short, a previously missing part of the prophecy foretold a danger that could consume the galaxy. Here's what it said, and this is a quote from the book. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. Which then caused a Redditor to come up with a theory that argues that Baby Yoda is the one in the egg. I mean, he's... he's Carriage or his bassinet looks like an egg, um, so it said. It uh, the coincidence? It, well, he, he said, theorists and I agree with this. It's no coincidence. It's coincidence at all that both these were being created at the same time, you know. And we've already seen if they're going to be putting characters from a video game into the Mandalorian, or you know, you have to play Fortnite to understand part of the Rise of Skywalker.
1: A force healing from the series and there's, the movie.
0: There's con- these connections. Um said after all Anakin and baby Yoda were born right about the same time mm-hmm. um, and another theory suggests that the child was created by the force to counteract Anakin's unnatural birth that's again what's saying in here now before we get your guys' opinion on it I'm going to say the first thing when I hear this and I read it again um, was I remember the uh, the South Park episode that they just kept saying Simpsons did it. That sounds totally Harry Potter to me. It's like mm-hmm. somebody took the Harry Potter prophecy and just replaced, you know, Neville Longbottom. Neville Longbottom and Harry Potter with baby Yoda and Anakin. I mean, it's, and I was, I was actually fearful of the rise of Skywalker that it was going to be a Harry Potter film, even though I love Harry Potter, but, mm-hmm. um, but this, I don't know. I mean, and again, I, I I don't know. What do you guys, what do you guys think of this? I mean,
1: uh, you know, as as fan theories go, it's not the worst one I've ever heard, you know? It's kind of a fun one, so... They're also
0: assuming that it's going to be evil. I mean, th- that's the bent on this, that it's evil. But if you think about it, so the danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the in- the galaxy entire. Well... I mean that just means threaten the status quo right that doesn't mean that baby yoda is going to shoot force lightning which would probably be friggin awesome if that ever happened Uh, but anyway
1: (laughs) yeah i was gonna say if you look at the history of the galaxy though there's there's no reason to necessarily interpret things that way because of anakin skywalker's character for example because you can read that as him failing to fulfill the prophecy Uh, You can read that as him eventually fulfilling the prophecy. You can read that as being the prophecy wasn't even about him or the prophecy's bunk. You can read it a lot of different ways. So, um, like, just hearing that that, like, that's the theory that it could be Baby Yoda. I agree with you 100%. That doesn't necessarily mean that he turns bad or something.
2: And I was just thinking just from the standpoint of where we expect the story to go, and the time timelines... I mean, we've already established that Baby Yoda's race is long-lived, but slow and gestating. He's a 50-year-old toddler. So we're don't expecting him next season to open up and he's a teenager all of a sudden. We're not expecting a, uh, an upsurge in hormones that's going to make him all of a sudden start talking like a wise... McClunky! ...teenager. McClunky there, you know. And, you know, being all moody and shooting... Force lightning and choking sand people and what hair
0: growing in funny places exactly and, <laughs> and doing all the
2: stuff that uh, teenage Anakin was doing with his force powers. I am Groot. Exactly, <laughs> that's where we're is, headed, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's just it. We do We don't. We're not suspecting that he's gonna have a massive. we're expecting. We're still gonna get Baby Yoda. What interests me about the theory is more along the lines of it doesn't indicate that the what's inside the egg is the threat. It says when the egg cracks. It threatens the galaxy. There you go. It could very well be that he's a prize that everybody's going to fight over. And then that way, you know, that threaten the galaxy. Conflict. Yeah. Creates conflict. It's kind of like the apple of discord from Greek myth. It's the apple itself is just a golden apple. Everybody wanting it is what creates the discord, the fight.
1: I doubt we're going to get that big and bold with, mm-hmm. with things. But... Play devil's advocate. It is Dave you, Filoni. Yeah, yeah, it's Dave Filoni. Um, you have this creature of basically unparalleled power. Potentially, mm-hmm. I mean, you get Luke out there and and Leia eventually, and but I, is and, the,
2: yeah, you know so, this. I mean, on top power that he doesn't even know what he's doing, doesn't know yeah. how to use. I mean, does it never struck me? Even when he was choking Cara Dune, it didn't strike me as him being evil. Struck me as him being protective.
1: That would be a really fun way for them to go in season two is for to establish just how much deep doo doo uh the Mandalorian is in with this because I don't think he understands at all. Well, and
0: that's the that's the thing I was just kinda of getting at is that um in, in my own brain here as we were talking is you know the Jedi is that's part of Star Wars. Sorry, folks. I mean, that's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as you want a movie that has nothing to do with the Force of the Jedi, I'm sorry. That's one of those things that it. That's part of Star Wars, and that's why I like what the Mandalorian has done. Is that people they're talking about, you know, a race of of people of Jedi. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about their used to be this thing. You know, they're but they're all talking like, you know. I like my daddy used to tell me stories about it type of thing. And, or you have, you know, Quill and, you know, and, uh, the Mandalorian, like, you know, what did he do? I don't really know. I don't get it. You know, he saw, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, so I think getting into the, the minute that they made that thing, a baby Yoda, you knew that it was going to have something to do with the force and with Jedi. I mean, because otherwise that's just, but that's just, part of star wars now it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to have we know we're not going to have a bunch of jedi wielding around because the only person right now is
1: luke, luke. And As- it's a-
0: ahsoka is playing around there somewhere
1: right. and it is a double-edged sword though because of the series the reason it works so well is because it is a small sliver of the galaxy you know it's a very micro stories so centered around just a few characters and you know, introducing this element, you know, like they can, they can get away with that for a while. And, but eventually I think it's, you know, if the, you know, if the child survives long enough, it's going to, it's going to blow up on sorry, them. Sorry. It was just a, a
0: tweet. I think that Brit saw and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but, um, I think it was talking about how the minute that, um, we see baby Yoda in the first episode, everybody forgets that at the beginning of the episode, you had an alien playing a space clarinet to hail an Uber. Mm-hmm. Everybody <laughs> forgot that part. I remember mm-hmm. watching, when I saw that scene, I was like, that's dumb. I was, mm-hmm. first of all, I was like, Ooh, cool. A Garandon. then he went, ooh, 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 ooh. And "I was like, Oh, come on. And it was space Uber. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was a little grumpy, but then all of a sudden, then I was sold by baby Yoda. And, you know, I, uh, we forgot all about it. But...
2: I was going to say to go to Dave's point, I was thinking back to season one of game of Thrones, where we don't see battles you see people preparing for battles and then you see the aftermath of battles because they didn't have the budget for it. it hadn't become the cultural event that it became later on in the years and the seasons progressed we started getting more battles bigger battles whole episodes devoted to nothing but gigantic battles which yeah it increases the prominence of the show in a certain level but it also increases the pressure because you have to deliver a new and different kind of battle, so to speak Mandalorian doesn't strike me as the kind of show where we're going to all of a sudden end up in a... Like, the kind of battles we're going to get are the kind of the battles that we've got in this season. A few groups on this side, like the Stormtroopers and the Death Troopers and Moff Gideon versus a group that's pinned in, or the Mandalorians come out of nowhere and help out for a little bit. Well, that's, It's going to be a mostly a shootout. It's not going to be armies getting together. That prophecy denotes and to your galactic element.
0: To point your point earlier, how you know it kind of just unleashes holy hell you know Mm -hmm. by opening that you know that egg is because you know so if the empire the remnants of the empire become the first order and there's remnants of the empire that knows that palpatine is still alive and i i do believe i do believe in the speculation that again the doctor is Kaminoan. by the way that's the first character to ever wear glasses in the star wars universe (laughs) he broke they broke a George Lucas rule there but anyway I can get away from that but I think they figured out how to or maybe there's a possibility to harvest the midi-chlorians to keep I think there's going to be a palpatine link going on here because we know where we're going with the rise of Skywalker and so that again everybody's going after baby the baby girl. because you know especially on the on that side and that's going to bring the first order or to what if, or what
2: if palpatine wants the baby to train it well i mean it doesn't sound like that it sounds like they just want to harvest them yeah but yeah because if they want to keep them alive they'll just grab them when they grab them and brought I, th- I
0: think this i think this show could actually connect a lot of the saga more so than the rise of skywalker did mm-hmm. just because i think there could be some connective tissues in there uh, no pun intended well, anyway
2: they're in between six and seven so
1: that was the one that was really the section of this universe that has been not been mined at all other no, than the yeah. future beyond nine mm-hmm. except um, for some
0: of the EU stuff. Yeah. A
1: um, so like that whole time period is ripe for material. So I'm really happy that they set the series in that time. Frame. I agree.
0: Mm-hmm. So we mentioned rise of Skywalker tonight's main topic, even though we've, we've talked for a long time about Mandalorian, which is still cool. Um, so dave what did what did we find online what's the big big drop this week
1: (laughs) well the um the the big drop was the script leak um and i say when you said this week which this this episode may not um run until next week so maybe it was last week that. uh but regardless try not to confuse people the script leak happened and it was the original version of episode nine, the Colin Trevorrow version. Um, and I think it's been confirmed by a couple of sources at Mm -hmm. this point that it was genuine and that it's the actual script that he had put together. Um, differs wildly from what we eventually got and people's opinions differ wildly (laughs) on whether it's much better or much worse. Um, And I guess that's our jumping off point.
2: Yeah, just to go off, it started off as a YouTube clip that ended up on Reddit, where they denoted everything about three days ago from when we're recording this. It was eventually confirmed by uh, AV Club, so there's at least an independent news source that said, yeah, this is all... The related to the will, draft by Cla- Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly
0: I'll also say that again one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, Now This Is Podcasting and Jason Ward mm-hmm. um, I don't know he knows like everybody apparently in Lucasfilm because like a lot of the spoilers that I was hearing earlier in the summer um, and spring and summer when I was and then I stopped listening to the podcast um, when once fall hit because I just kind of wanted to forget them but a lot of the stuff he was reporting as well and then they're actually talking in one of their recent you know blog posts said yeah or one of their recent podcasts said yeah this didn't show up like and I'll let you kind of go through what the synopsis was um but a lot of a lot of like I said a lot of his stuff was that it, leaks that he got were lined up with this as well so. so
2: the draft is from December of 2016 so like a week before a few days before uh Last Jedi. Actually no, twenty sixteen would have been uh Rogue One. It was a week before Carrie Fisher's death. Yeah. So Radas, right you know, you no know, Blast Jedi's in production, they're line they're starting to line up, Rogue One uh, sorry, uh episode nine. The title of the movie is Duel of the Fates. Which
0: so, wah, 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 that's, that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> I mean
2: Well that's the name of the of the music the theme of episode of uh Phantom Menace, so Yeah. Do the duel of the fates so they're trying to um uh, i guess i'll just wait know.
0: and it may have just been kind of a working title as well but mm-hmm. anyway that's what they had down there
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's what i mean and and you imagine that that that's as a title they you know that's got to go through Lucasfilms, films it's got to go through disney people will have to approve of it because everything's going to end up on t-shirts and boxes and everything so sure um so i don't know dave you want me to start off and then or
1: well, I mean, we don't need to probably
2: hit every point, right.
1: but, you know, maybe just hit the big the big points and then okay. we can all kind of react to what we like or what don't, we okay. don't like about it.
2: So kind of the first big point is the crawl is completely different. It denotes a galaxy that's just about under control of the First Order. Uh, Kaloran has sh- shut off communication from the entire galaxy and he's disappeared. Like, uh, disappeared away from the First Order. And grown a beard. And grown a beard and he's looking for something. Meanwhile, uh, Leia is leading the resistance and she's trying to find a way to free the galaxy. So the movie begins on a uh, kind of a mission at a shipyard where BB-8 and Rose are trying to infiltrate where they build the Star Destroyers.
0: And Rose was apparently a much bigger character.
2: Much bigger, much bigger, much more involved. Uh, And there's Rey and there's Finn and there's Poe and... Basically, their plan goes wrong. They're trying to sabotage the shipyard, but they steal a Star Destroyer, which would have been an interesting kind of opening. I mean, we got an opening in Rise of Skywalker where they're getting the data information about it regarding the spy, but that's not what this is. Instead of it being a chase, it's a whole action sequence where, you know, it's a heist and it goes wrong, and then they somehow manage to get away with a whole Star Destroyer. <laughs> uh, then you get the knights of wren showing up and you actually get more more of the knights of wren yeah, yeah more the knights of Ren, but more personality about it they're far more they're not just hunting they're actually characters so to speak uh let's see coruscant has been occupied by the first order general hux is now chancellor hux so he's not a spy and he's actually the guy in charge um they're looking they're Calrinn does start in Mustafar, so interesting. They both start in the same place. Uh, he's looking. He's alone except for a Darth Maul droid and spider droid, a droid that's half humanoid, half multi-legged. Which, if you saw a still from Rise of Skywalker, a cut scene, seems to have been kept.
0: That was one of the things that now that this is podcasting leaked, and it they call, it was an oracle, which was. A, like a mechanical spider with a baby's head
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i remember <laughs> being in my car going what the clunky is this what what because all i could see was toy story you know the the
2: the little uh what's the name rector
0: set you know head on a spider thing that's all i could see and i was like Seriously, I'm like, and this guy, like I said, I f- for the longest time I thought okay, Jason Ward has to be just making this stuff up, just to you know, just to mess with people. Because if you listen to his podcast, it's you could tell it's part of his you know personality. He's just likes messing with people, but he, he never tell he never gives misinformation. He gives what you know he hears. And I was like, this can't be true. This can't be true. And I, then I was going into the rise of Skywalker. That was the one thing I was like, please don't let there be a spider baby. Oracle mm-hmm. thing, please don't. There. And I was like, oh, thank God there isn't.
2: But then uh, there were some, there was a few images that kind of leaked out showing that the scenes in Mustafar that were actually filmed for Rise of Skywalker did seem to include a an image similar to that.
0: I will say that in this synopsis, if you find it online, it—I mean, a lot of the beats that were in The Rise of Skywalker oh. are in this, mm-hmm. just different players.
2: So, for example, Mustafar, Kallaren is looking for a Sith holocron. And when he finds it, it's actually Palpatine in a hologram in the Holocron telling Vader, if I die, you take Luke to this planet where my master exists. So again, Sith Lord out in the fringes of the Unknown Regions, bring the last Jedi to them. And then when the Holocron realizes that it's not Darth Vader holding the, the in itself, but Kylo Ren, but somebody else, it explodes in his face, hurting him.
0: Which that would have been cool you know, thinking about, wow, the emperor's, you know. Teacher. Teacher. But then it's like that would have just thrown all of us net nerds into a tizzy because, well, I thought Darth Plagueis was, you know, Palpatine's master. And, you know, there's all this, you know, you can't, uh, the rule of two and everything like that. And it also kind of takes some of the mojo out of Palpatine of being the biggest baddie in the galaxy if there's somebody
2: Even bigger world.
0: There's always a bigger fish, I suppose they say, you know. But yeah, what's, interesting,
2: yeah, what's interesting also is that while he's doing all this, the one being that's with him is Luke. Yeah, It's a force ghost.
1: Yeah, that's the best part of this whole thing to me is that Luke is haunting him during this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> just pestering the... Cranky Jesus old Luke. Out. Yeah. I mean,
2: imagine cranky old Luke from Last Jedi just following you forever. Yeah. Just talking crap about you.
1: I just love that idea. I thought that that was something that they could have done. In the uh, in the version we got, but they didn't.
0: Yeah,
2: and then uh, of course, and uh, it's actually doing. He's both parent to both Kylo and to Rey, because Rey is having to fight off the that connection, that connection that still exists between her and Kylo Ren.
0: And there's there's a line in there that that Rey says, I think to either Leia or Luke, and it. I mean, it, she is voicing me. You know, the because balance? yeah, about balance. It's like, how do know? you? I mean a gazillion Jedi versus two Sith. How do you say that the force is in balance, you know, and, or if, um, you know, if you're all good and don't have any bad, you know, how is that? How is that balanced? That's why after force awakens, when, I mean, her lightsaber battle where she was using some of the dark side because Mm -hmm. she was ticked. She wasn't fighting out of honor. She was, I mean, her, she was getting her power from being ticked at this guy. Right and i like the idea of i mean that what people have talked about the gray jedi you know Mm -hmm. and maybe that's where the jedi that the what was out of balance was that the jedi were too good Mm -hmm. you know they're you know too you know noble too pure too
1: altruistic
0: it's it's kind of like you know i mean
1: Look at our politics right now. Or look at
0: religion. Should priests marry? You know, should priests be able to have sex? You know, it's like, do you, do you, not to get in, into that, war, you, know, you know, rabbit you hole, but, but is it, you know, do we not allow people to be human?
1: Extremism in any form is dangerous. And right. Again, that's where I go back to the political parallel. So it's just like, okay, so there are probably some people who might be listening to this who are left, there might be some people who are listening to this who are very right. Um, most people are somewhere in the middle. Um, and so, like, to me, the gray Jedi has always been kind of an appealing thought, Based just based solely
2: on that concept. But uh, yeah, the know. line is uh, Ray, no, as, as Ray uh, train strange, tra- 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 tells Luke balance, the dark suffocates the light, the light extinguishes the dark over and over and over again. How is that balance? Luke's reply is, I know that anger, my father had it too. And what I love is Ray's response is, so says my master and his master before him and a thousand other masters so eager to tell us how to live. Which is interesting. It's her first point of, you know, her whole journey has been about self-discovery.
0: Well, and it's rebelling against the church is what I hear. I mean, it's, you know. But that's
2: what I'm saying. It's like her whole journey is, I don't know who I am. I've been no one my entire life. now I'm finding this power within me and I got all these people telling me who I am you know and I got all these teachings telling me I must be this and then she's rejecting it because she's like wait a minute this makes no sense she's finding her own voice so I'm trying to get it so I will
0: say so far I like the fact that we go to Mustafar and we know we're at Mustafar because they actually pardon me see Vader's castle I think Mm -hmm. Yeah. I dig that Um, I dig that Coruscant is involved Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's another planet coming up
2: well so basically they the resistance decides okay we are at our last gas we need to call the uh everybody back together ray finds the if you remember in episode three the jedi had a beacon underneath their temple that obi-wan reprogrammed to tell all the jedi stay away stay away yep. so she says okay we need to go there and really like that and Uh, and recommunicate with the rest of the galaxy let them know that we're still fighting
0: and see there's an opportunity they could have had you know communing with you know ghost obi-wan ghost Mm -hmm. yoda and saying hey go to this place and get this thing just like obi-wan did in empire strikes back you know go to dagobah learn from yoda you know you could have had ewan mcgregor there saying there's a beacon underneath the temple you know i said it back you know go and I mean, so that would have been a good way to use force Ghost without being stupid about it
1: I what are it would... our thoughts on the matrix reloaded at this group
2: uh i like it but yeah. i can see where its flaws exists right. particularly in the middle it's a movie that has a lot of ideas but it doesn't know how to bring them together cohesively and there's this
1: there's a sequence in the middle of that film where the merovingian mm-hmm. is talking to them and he's like you were told to come here, so you came. <laughs> now you're waiting.
2: Now you're waiting for me to tell you where to go, so you can go there. Yeah. Somebody told you, and now I'm gonna send you on your way.
1: Yeah, and that was just—I loved that so much because it does speak to um, the reality that a lot of us live. You know, a lot of us are just sort of beholden to those kinds of things in our lives, whereas people are telling us
2: what to do. So, okay, we'll to go do it. Well, and it's a lot of quests, a lot of um, uh, storytelling is quests. It's fetch quests. It's go here, do this, come back, go here, do this, come back. So an appropriate endpoint for the saga might have been breaking, you know, the, breaking
1: that down.
0: Well, and if, if this was to bridge, you know, to kind of link all of the, the movies together, and the whole saga together, I mean, for, I go back to, I like that we're at Coruscant. You could have done what we did with C-3PO, you know, on Kijimi. On Coruscant. Mm -hmm. Could have gone to the underworld of Coruscant and found Zori Bliss and Babu Frick. You could have had that whole scene there. And what would have been was everybody went, oh, we're in Coruscant again. Cool. And then you're in that underbelly. You know, it's a familiar place. Instead of making up another planet that is tough for people to pronounce. So (laughs) then uh, later on, they go to Mortis. Right. And which would have instead of going to exegol where you have everybody in the theater going what the hell is exegol you would have had the nerdy side going they're Mortis and the other half of the people going what the heck is mortis you know mm-hmm. so it would have you know it you wouldn't have done any harm and you would have actually done some good by well, having some of these familiar and again i know the galaxy is bigger and we need mm-hmm. to go to other places but if we're also in the confines of this one saga so let's quit like i said creating that's one thing we're reading through this it's like nobody knows how to i, I just can't stand star wars planet names
2: mm-hmm. well, now, like but i was thinking just for the standpoint of going back to coruscant because who amongst that group has been in service to a uh, republic senator? c-3po yeah so who knows what it's stored in his data banks of about how get get into places get out of places passcodes access codes All the stuff that R2-D2 as well. R2-D2 as well. They were both in the service of Senator Padme Amidala. So if you want to have a way to get them out of any harm or how to get them into a place they can't get into, you can say, well, these two were in service for years. By the way, you know,
0: R2-D2 is the biggest loophole in this entire nine movie saga. You realize that?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets out of it.
0: He, he never has his memory wiped and he knows everything and he's probably the best spy that you could ever have because he's not leaking a thing. He could have said, you know, could have told people everybody everything they need to know, but he just kind of kept it to himself. So anyway, but keep on going.
2: Sorry. So then, so then the, basically the, they split the cast into the our heroes into team A is Rose Finn R2 and 3PO and they're going to go to Coruscant like this Jedi beacon to, uh, inform the planets
0: okay so this is like lord of the rings when they
2: light all the fires right and, okay and then team b is ray poe and Chewie, and they go into a planet to find to help ray figure out what she needs to do
0: and i hear that chewbacca pilots an x-wing
2: yes that's later on in the final battle i want to
0: i want to see chewy with his knees up by his shoulders you know <laughs> like like he's sitting in coach in a southwest you know or <laughs> yeah. sitting in coach in a you know Spirit united flight. flight yeah, yeah.
1: My wife would make a crack about me driving a Honda Civic when we first met because I'm 6'4". and she she's when we first met, she saw me like fold myself out of this tiny car. So yeah, just
0: get rid trying. of the front seat, sit in the back seat, and you know <laughs> use the pedals. Okay, all right. So so
2: when the team infiltrates Jedi Temple, lights a signal. We have a Bosk cameo. <laughs> Apparently, he gets a signal. <laughs> That'd be nice. Like, hey, that was Bosk. Uh. Meanwhile, the team of Ray, Poe, and Chewie are being pursued by the Knights of Ren, and they reach this planet called Bonaden. Okay. Kylo reaches his uh, Palpatine's master, an alien of unknown origin, 7,000 years old, spindly, intense sinewy muscle, looks Lovecraftian, and begins to train with him. There's a ode to the Empire cave scene where Kylo fights Vader, and the fight's supposed to be brutal, and Kylo loses. So i'm like okay in- inverse again rhyming but inverse um poe takes Ray to a seer who can pull information out of her memory that's the they... c-3po you mm-hmm.
0: know scene from rise skywalker yeah go yeah ahead.
2: they pull a star chart out of her uh with visions of uh kylo uh she defeats the knights of Ren, and then eventually ray and kylo get to mortis and uh leia asks the lando to organize the smugglers to fight um they end up fighting uh, Finn, R2, and 3 P lead an uprising in Coruscant against the First Order. The Leia brings her forces to Coruscant, so it ends up in a massive space ground battle over Coruscant, similar to Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. That's where True Flights the next one. Uh, Rey and Kylo battle in Mortis, and that's where it's revealed that Kylo Ren kill Rey's parents at dun, the dun, behest dun. of Snow. hmm uh-huh. Uh, towards the end, Luke, Obi-Wan, Yoda all appear as Force Ghosts to save Ben. But they're unsuccessful. Ben is, and I quote, extinguished. So it's just Kylo Ren now. He has given himself wholly to the dark. Uh, so in the end, Resistance win, First Order's lose. Hansel did appear in the script and confronts Kylo at some point.
0: Yeah, actually, um, there's some other like tidbits I heard from, mm-hmm. now this is podcasting, some of the link, uh, mm-hmm. leaks was... Um, so, like, Luke brings Han, that Han was more of a Force ghost, if you will, but Luke brings Han from the beyond to talk to Kylo Ren, which that would have made everybody kind of go, eh,
2: eh.
0: I like how they handled that in The Rise of Skywalker, that it was, you know... I, I, Han wasn't a Force ghost, but he was a manifestation of the Force. It wasn't just a memory. It wasn't just, you know again it's that line from um you know Harry Potter said of course it's in your head that doesn't mean it's not real mm-hmm. you know um when he's talking to Dumbledore i we you know,
2: did get a Harry Potter movie there you go <laughs> um no, but so, i think but i think it's important because in that moment i mean and we all as we grow up we all have memories strong memories of our parents you know whether they're with us or not and so sometimes you'll think well my dad say of this in this moment and you can picture him present and going like you know, I can't believe I trained such an idiot to be doing that kind of thing. You know, or encouraging you, whatever it may be. Uh, so the idea that in that moment, what he looks back on is the memory of his dad. And that it, that memory is not chiding him. It's not looking down upon him, but it's being supportive. It's pulling that light mm-hmm. out of him because that never went away. So the moment played fine for me.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I Like I said, I dug it. But like I said, I think if Luke would have said and here's your dad yeah. <laughs> it would have been eh, it would have been kind of weird um there's also luke usher's leia into the beyond when she dies that's uh that was a, one leak that came out so as well so is
2: like the force version of a uh, doorman? Kinda. At a, at, a, at a Posh New York condo building.
1: Kinda.
0: Yeah. It
2: kinda so he lets people laugh. let's
1: people out. I was laugh. thinking like a gondolier. Exactly. He's
2: yeah. <laughs> <It's> caron. <laughs> the force Caron.
0: So I mean, like I said, a lot of things, it'd be interesting to go back and like listen to all these spoilers, um and uh see what could have been. I and, think what's
2: interesting is a, a lot of it is similar but not the same. Right. The tone is starts much darker than I think even Rise of Skywalker started. It starts on with the galaxy completely in darkness. The First Order is taken over. You know, people are being kept down. And it's not sort of implied. It's shown life sucks. So so
0: I will say this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I, I already said, I, I like some of those beats, like I said, where they're on Coruscant and they go to Mortis. That was my one of my, I, I think that would have, like I said, made things a little bit, if they would have used those, Planets in place of Kajimi and, and Exegol, right. I think it would have, you know, linked things together. Um, well, with Kef beer, they should have just gone Endor. to Endor for crying out loud. But or, anyway.
2: Or just even call it the, the ocean moon and, of Endor. And
0: by the way, let me stop and say I liked Rise of Skywalker. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm so, but here's my bigger point is that um, the worst thing, the worst question you can ask on at like 7 PM on December 25th to your kids or your nephews or what have you nieces, nephews, whatever is, did you get everything you wanted? The question you should ask is, did you have a Merry Christmas? Yeah, I had a Merry Christmas. It was great. If you say, did you get everything you wanted? No, this was on my list or even heck asking a 47 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, did you get everything you wanted? Well, no, I really wanted X, Y, or Z. You know, I put that on my list and I didn't get it. it so what this is doing is everybody's... You know, I'm, I'm seeing people respond to this and going, that would have been a much better movie. Oh, that mm. would have been better. This would have been better. That would have been better. Oh, yeah, that's a much better movie. Like, it's like, why don't you rejoice in the fact that you had a Merry Christmas and that you got a Star Wars movie? And everything we do, every meal we make, everything we do, something could have been better, but you know, it it just it, it that bothers me. It's kind of like uh, there's a there's a YouTube series that I've seen. It's really kind of interesting if you've never watched them, it's like how episode one should have ended, oh, yeah. how episode two should have ended, how episode three should have ended. They and so somebody goes through and basically rewrites episode one, two, and three because again, it was some forty year old who was ticked off because the prequels weren't his Star Wars.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and it's like, ugh, you know, and, and so so they rewrite it, and then you get people in your camp saying, yeah, that would have been a better Star Wars. It's like, you know what? J.J. Abrams did not sit down and say, how can I just piss off half the world, McClunky? You know, how, how, how am I gonna, Lucasfilm was not sitting around saying, how do we make a bad Star Wars film? They're not doing that. George Lucas with the prequels did not say, how do I make all these you know people who are now in their thirties really angry and ruin Star Wars for them? That's not happening and in especially with the prequels, that's George Lucas who wrote that. If you don't like it, take it up with him. you know, and if you think you can do better, then make your own stupid movie you know so that's when you get all you know and i I have nothing against people writing fan fiction, but it's like. I'm sorry, it's a little arrogant. It's like me going to the museum and seeing a van go and say, I could do that better. And then yeah, go yeah, do I mean, my own painting and mm-hmm. say, here, everybody on the internet isn't mine much better. And then I get people behind me. There's so, a
1: complicated relationship between artist, art, and audience. Uh-huh. And this is something that we haven't really discussed on this show, and maybe at some point we will. But it's like, where at some point... Does the art Become Belong to everybody
0: Well and it's also It's also like The the old joke You know how many Trumpet players It takes to screw In a light bulb How many Five One to screw it in And four to say How much better They could have done Than everybody mm-hmm. else well, So yeah. anyway I mean so right. Keep on going Dave Yeah no
1: That's how that goes um, And I don't I personally I think fanfic Has it's place I think it's cool um, I think shipping Has it's place It's cool um, you know, do what you want, you know, embrace your version of Star Wars, and that's fine but i think I guess where the people sitting around this table begin to have issues is when when you say you could do it better well and the arrogance that comes in from that kind of a statement, mm-hmm. this is trash, I could do better this is even this is even
0: worse because if this is actually i mean who leaked this? If this is the actual thing, mm-hmm. if this is the actual, you know, outline, if this is Colin Trevorrow's, Trevorrow's deal mm-hmm. and he saw the rise of Skywalker and said, well, that was crap. Let's just drop this thing on the internet and let people hear Redditor, you know, what a- fuzzy Ewok 64, you know, mm-hmm. let's just drop this in your inbox, you know, then that's even crappier. I mean, it, 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 that, I mean, that's even, that's even worse than to me because it's like, you know, I don't know
2: what I was going to say. That's is... like
0: the, that's like the, the drummer who was, you know, fired from a band and then re-recording all the tracks with his drum tracks that he would have done. You know, it's like, dude, you got fired.
2: You mean you like Pete Past going like, I could have been a better drummer than Ringo.
0: Right. You know, it's, you know, you got fired, collect, you got paid for what you did, collect your money and go on your business but you know so i like I, said, I think this is a little bit worse than somebody writing fan fiction but anyway keep no, going yeah,
2: i was gonna say what did i say earlier told you i was gonna get yeah. fired up i yeah, know yeah. he did he had warned us about this before we started recording so fair warning to us now what did i say earlier in the episode it it, it comes down to execution what's interesting and frustrating and difficult to accept about this outline is that it's an outline it exists in your head. You can picture it in perfect, you know, managing any number of ways. The Rise of Skywalker, for all its qualities and all its flaws, is a completed work that you can go see and experience time and again. So, what, you know, for good or ill, it is what it is. It's kind of like, and kind of make an example regarding football. They always say the best thing you can be is a draft pick because all, it is, because all you are is potential. The moment you put on the shoulder pads, you put on the uniform, and you start producing or not sure. producing, potentials out the window now you're a, comm- you're a commodity that can be quantified
0: so here's my question um the original trilogy is all about redemption mm-hmm. the prequel trilogy is all about the fall
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what is the arc of this sequel trilogy
1: i have ideas and i, I know that please, please go with please it go i go mean with- because
0: <laughs> that's the thing that i'm confused about i, I don't think that there is a clear like I think I said, there's I mean, be a whole they, episode to be honest. They they tried to they tried to pitch it as an awakening, but I mean it's like I said if you have the first one you know, it, one, two, and three is fall, four, five, and six is redemption. You know, seven, so, eight
2: and I think seven, eight, and nine are legacy.
0: That's why I th- This I, is where I'm at.
2: Go ahead, Dave. I'm with Dave. you hundred
1: percent on this because you mentioned this uh, I don't know, last episode or two episodes ago. The sequels really differentiate themselves from the prequels in the original trilogy and how they deal with this topic of aging. Um, and the, the first two movies in the sequel trilogy were very focused in on some of the um, realities involved in, in just that concept. We all age. What happens to us when we age? Uh, we lose people around us. Uh, we have regret about things that didn't go a certain way in mm-hmm. our own lives. Uh, we begin to become inept, um, which is like a really hard thing to have to accept. I'm not as good as I once was. Um, and so the first two movies in this uh, in this particular trilogy dealt with those concepts um, and did it really well. Uh, this movie deals more with, with the legacy aspects of aging. It's like what am I going to leave behind mm-hmm. and like what is going to be my mark at the end of this thing and and so you know you can look at basically any of the characters in this movie and apply this concept of legacy to them um, Ray is our main character she's worried about living up to the legacy of the Jedi and how to commune with them but also about her last name of it when she discovers what it is and what that means and how does she carve out her path within, you know, these limitations that are in front of her? Um, Palpatine, our main bad, it's all about legacy for him. You know, like, I mean, I'm dead. What do, I don't want to die? How do I maintain this grip that I have established? I don't want to let go of this grip. Um, so you go, you go down that with Palpatine. Um
2: Kaloran fearing for Having to bear The weight of the legacy of his Parents of the Jedi Of everything that he's grown up with Of the Sith his
1: grandfather mm-hmm. His uncle um, He has everything weighing down on him You can begin to understand Just when you think about legacy And what he's facing Why he might crack mm-hmm. um, I agree with you Um Finn and Poe Uh Constantly getting hit in the face with their past in this movie Mm -hmm. and I think that's intentional too Mm -hmm. to kind of like reinforce this idea of You know, your choices have consequences and they will live with you forever You know Mm -hmm. the things that you have done before will follow you eventually and so I Think as an extension of the commentary on aging that we got in the first two movies um this movie works within that construct.
0: And I like, again, just putting in that one word, you've sold me now, thank Mm -hmm. you. Because that one word, because if you say that, again, one, two, and three is about fall, four, five, and six six is about redemption, seven, eight, nine is about legacy. I like that. I like that.
2: Yeah, because if you you look at it from the first scenes or from the first interactions we get from uh, Force Awakens, we're told that the first order, kidnaps children they're literally taking the legacy of other peoples and other planets and making it their force they're brainwashing them they're putting them to work and that awakening that's happening to them is them rejecting all this training people like uh janna people like finn and come into terms with what happened to them um so it's all throughout the, the the sequel trilogy of how all these people live in the shadow or come out of the shadow of everything that came before and out of those characters that we grew up with recognize that their time may be coming to an end and because a lot for a lot of them that was the difficulty is coming to grips with that anxiety of well i didn't do everything i thought i was gonna do the way i thought i was gonna do it and it came out even worse That's Luke's path. That's Han's path.
0: Do you think um, Lucasfilm kind of put a hurdle in front of themselves by saying, calling this the end of the Skywalker saga? Should they have just acknowledged that one, two, three, four, five, six was the Skywalker saga and this is something else? Because I think, I think there are some people, I mean, as, again, as you listen to podcasts and you read the internet and stuff like that, and you know, it's like n- never read the Internet when you have a growth or something like that. You're just going to find out you're dying. Uh, which, by, which, by the way, if you've never seen if Google was a guy, you oh, know, yes. you got to you got to watch find that it's college humor. But anyway, um, but there they, I think a lot of people feel they, they were sold a bill of goods of this was going to again, you're going to be satisfied. This is going to neatly tie up the Skywalker saga and bring it to an end. And I don't think it does. And especially at the, the like the very last thing that is said is Skywalker. You know, she says, I'm Ray, Ray Skywalker. Well, okay. We're going to be going on with the Skywalker saga is going to continue because we're still going to be talking about Anakin and Luke and Leia and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do. I think they should have, they should have used uh, again, how episode one should have ended um just use those those classic characters to get people hooked on new Star Wars movies and then let them go off into the sunset and because i I think we would have been better gotten a better story with if we wouldn't have been so concerned with how Luke was gonna go or so concerned with how you know these characters are gonna be treated it's like now we got Ray you know. And Finn just...
1: Married to the three film format We could have done four films If we were rushed for time In the Rise of Skywalker Which I think we were Yeah um, I You know There are a lot of things To look at When you When you want to Try to discern Is this You know Does this make sense Do these three films Make sense As part of A nine film arc And like If you get into like The technical aspects of film Um it it begins to it begins to make a lot more sense. Um, it's it's the thematic elements that you begin to struggle with and, and begin to think, um, and and some of the plot. You know, again, that word Skywalker and what that denotes, and it's like we don't have um, we don't have these specific Skywalkers as our main heroes. So it's like. That, that's jarring and that's problematic. And I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I can't say one way or the other whether they resolved that. But with all these things that we ask, like, what makes Star Wars Star Wars? Um, it checked those boxes. Sure. I mean, it really did. Because like if you, you could go down, th- like the John Williams, uh, the big bold visuals, um, the hero of a thousand faces, the Joseph Campbell um, influence and like again, Ray is that version of that story told again. You know, that's that's another common element from each film, each three-arc film or three-film arc. You have the hero's journey, sure. And so it works in it works as a trilogy. Um, the
0: see, I'm I'm, I'm pausing there for yeah. a second because I I, I I disagree a little bit and. Because of the again, I, it's what I've said in past episodes where, um, if I could get in the DeLorean and go back, and when they're you know plotting out this sequel trilogy because they knew it was going to be a trilogy, then knowing what we know now, somebody needs to go back in the DeLorean and say, if you're going to use different writers and different directors, then somebody needs to be you know calling some of the shots because I do believe that Ryan Johnson made a great Star Wars movie. And I'm not putting any blame on mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, but here's the arguments I'm hearing some people say JJ didn't respect what Ryan Johnson set up. Well, you know what? Ryan Johnson didn't respect what JJ set up in The Force Awakens. Oh, he did. didn't. He didn't. I mean, it's right. like well, it, all these things that he he set up in The Force Awakens, like I said, and I love The Last Jedi. And so now if we have, you know, the bookends of of JJ. If going back, it's like okay, every, you need to play nice, and you need to write an overarching story that's going to connect. Because I don't really think these three connect all that well. They're three really good movies, but they don't. They don't. You know, they're it's not. A, it's a
2: trilogy, right? They, it's it's not they there. Struggle.
0: So it's almost like, and it's almost like I'm sorry, the Last Jedi is the odd man out. It's like keep that as a, you know a Star Wars story type of thing. You know, it's a great movie, but if, I mean,
2: yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what's interesting is of the three movies, you can make a case that the last Jedi is both the best individual movie of the three, but also the one that doesn't connect with the others. And And it doesn't because no seven and nine are made by a different creator with a different vision. You know, we spoke, we've spoken about this, but I think, the problem is, if you the moment you set about it, gave it to Ryan Johnson and said, "Make your movie," and this is the movie he made, you knew what you know. You knew what you got after you, seven and right. eight. You and needed to go back and say, "Okay, now how do we?" And by the way,
0: this? I do not blame Ryan Johnson no, for no. this. I do not blame J.J. J. Abrams for no. this. I blame again. There's got to be somebody saying, "J.J., J., we're writing your check." What you're telling me right now does not does not fit with what has come before or Ryan we're writing your check. I really like that idea of, you know, of what you did there, but that doesn't line up very well. And we need to tweak this thing. I think that they were, I think Lucasfilm was just so hands off. I think they were totally enamored with JJ Abrams. They're totally enamored with, with Ryan Johnson. And it's like, we're going to let them do their thing. And there's just too many cooks in the kitchen and not one person that's saying, all right, Dave, you're burning the potatoes. Fredo, you're, you know... It's
2: like if you work it, in, a, in a kitchen, and a, you know even the simplest fast food place, somebody starts at a one end making your burger, cooking the meat. So the next person's got to, you know, put the buns on or, you know, it starts with the bun, you put the meat, put the toppings, put the condiments, and off it goes. Well, each person may know their part, but if they don't know what's coming before, what's going to happen next, you may end up with... A burger that's got no buns And it's a sloppy mess I'll,
1: I'll grant you that I think like When you look at things like tone And you look at things like pacing Um plot Clearly and that's a lot of what we're Talking about here right now mm-hmm. isn't the plot does the <clears throat> plot line up And make sense Um you absolutely have a valid point And I feel the same way Um like do these movies connect And I'm not sure could they have connected better Um And they don't connect as well as the two previous trilogies do but when i look at um theme and we talked about um this this theme of 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 aging and legacy i think that that's a through line through all three films and it connects the film so well um the the concept of pacifism we see that that was the that was the end of return of the Jedi. And that was arguably the point of the whole fricking thing, mm-hmm. which was I can save my you father. You almost had him a clunky. <laughs> right. I can save my father and the galaxy through love. Right. And, and then he'll save me through the same act. And you look at each of the films, the subsequent films from return of the Jedi, they all honored that idea at the end of, uh, Force Awakens, Han attempts to bring his son back, right? And and it doesn't work out for him, but he attempted to do it. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi, you know, it's the same thing. Where And then at the end of this movie, um, Rey will not attack Palpatine because that's what he wants. She will not attack him. He ends up killing himself. Within the concepts of this this idea of saving people with love and the the theme of aging and exploring what that means i think the trilogy is is cohesive enough and um where we begin to uh, where it begins to like break down is like how does the trilogy connect to the other two trilogies Mm -hmm. and so like that to me is like the biggest um mystery and where there's probably a lot of room to explore and but like i said
0: though you you sold me on that one. i think what when you said legacy again I, i remember you know our friend scott was total anti jar jar and then i you know i said to him i said scott you know if you're a if you're a 40 year old 30 or 40 year old seeing star wars for the very first time C3PO is the most annoying thing you've ever seen in your life
2: cuz he won't shut up
0: you know and so when you're a 30 40 year old watching you know Phantom Menace. now that being said i don't need poop jokes you know jar jar stepping in you know bantha poodoo, bantha poodoo. <laughs> you know but anyway um so you know if if you're looking you, you so just like i and so i turned his Perspective on Jar Jar He's not anti Jar Jar anymore So right. I can put that on my refrigerator But you sold me now Because that's what I was struggling with was What is what is the point of this of this trilogy Because it's three good films That don't seem to coalesce And when you put that word legacy on it I mean you sold me on that What's crazy So, is so these movies, thank you
1: Well these movies in a way are made for us mm-hmm. I mean the 40 year olds That were so angry At the prequels um, just because it wasn't their version of star Wars or whatever. Well, what are we dealing with you know, right now? We're dealing with mortality
0: and, and talking about, you know, just, just the, the movie going experience. It's like we, we were talking in my living room. We've all seen knives out mm-hmm. knives out was just fun to watch. I was, it was one of those things where I really didn't know. I knew it was going to be kind of a whodunit, but I had nothing, no preconceived notions and just took me on a ride. And it was never once that I did I check out and like look at my watch or, you know, I was just it was a fun movie. And I think what people need to do in the future, if I could give anybody any advice, is that when there's a Star Wars movie, just go to enjoy go have fun, you know, quit trying to analyze it and compare it to all the other movies and just, you know, enjoy or compare
1: it to the other movies in a positive way, like trying Mm -hmm. to figure out like. These kinds of connections. It's, and it's fair, for those it's,
0: I mean, it's fair to critique, you know, um, you know, different aspects. I mean, but but I think people go in looking for. It's like when I would go in observe teachers, um, uh, and to give them feedback on how they teach, I never never went in looking for things to pick on. I I didn't I didn't you know I didn't ask them about you know. You know, what are you gonna be teaching? What do I just wanted to come in like I was one of their students and just sit down and experience. And a lot of times what we talked about what was good and say, these are the things you need to keep doing. That was awesome. You know, and if there was stuff that, you know, we didn't like, he's like, well, what'd you think about that? And we had a conversation about it. But I never went in with, I'm going to nail Dave on <laughs> A, B, and C because I know he's doing these things and these are the things I'm gonna tell him to fix. You know, that would have made me a horrible coach, mm-hmm. you know? So I think people go into Star Wars movies going, all right, I'm going, to be, I'm going to pick on all these dang things.
2: No, I was going to say, maybe that is the one benefit that comes from calling this the end of the Skywalker saga. I mean, it's a, it's a button. It's, a, it's the dot at the end of the line. I mean, we're talking just right now, today it came out that Lucas and Disney are approaching Taika Waititi to direct a Star Wars movie. And we know we're going to get Star Wars more Star Wars movies down the line whether they are attaching some tangential way to the movies that came before or not. Maybe the best thing that could happen now is we're able to say, okay, there's your nine movie epic myth saga. These other movies, we're just going to go have fun. We're going to get Taika Waititi to do a fun Star Wars movie. You want to get a Quentin Tarantino crime caper Star Wars movie? We can hire them to make one. Marvel did it.
0: Marvel did it. That's my fear with where well, we're going with true, Star Wars is that but, it's going to become that Marvel formula.
2: Well, but that's my point. It's, my point is Marvel's formula is we'll make individual movies, but there'll be kind of a through line that connects them all. You don't need to. If you want to make a trilogy of movies, you can hire Ryan Johnson again and say, make us three good Star Wars movies. Set them wherever. Do whatever you want with them. Free free reign. They are not in any way attached to what came before. You don't have to, you know, the only thing we say is don't set him in the middle of this and let him go to town. However,
0: after I say Marvel did it, Marvel's been very successful doing it. Exactly. So been very good
1: at it. Yeah.
2: But it's that idea of you no longer have to feel like, okay, how does this tie to Darth Vader? How does this tie to Princess Leia? How does this tie to Luke Skywalker? It doesn't have to.
1: I read an interesting comment on Star Wars recently that they compared it to like a precious gem, Mm -hmm. which is like something to be treasured and something that doesn't come along every day and then like that was the argument in essence of um fear films and and just do them right and <laughs> do them well and hire good people to tell really good stories with really good characters and I, I, you know i'm down for that approach I, I think the marvel approach is is scary for some people because it's like churn you know three or four movies a year and it just keeps coming and coming and you never feel like you're caught up and you begin to worry about quality dipping um you know we're already arguing star wars fans amongst ourselves that the quality has dipped so it's like whether it has or it hasn't there's a perception out there that it has so maybe maybe now is the time to slow down and try to do it Really really well,
0: and I think the other thing people need to keep in perspective I don't know if we said this on the podcast. I know I mentioned it I think we talked about it in passing um, episode four if you if you put that at any other time like if you put episode four in nineteen eighty six it's a crap movie it bombs <laughs> it bombs the reason why episode four was had the impact that it did was because of the visual effects and the musical score quite honestly those things were turned people on their heads and they went oh my good lord and when you, i mean if you watch a band and if they hit you with that opening number and you're like i am in then you're going to listen to all the rest of that set right um now there's there's no you know we're at a plateau really in movie making we haven't had it. We haven't had really a technological moment since Jurassic park. Really. You know, when you saw dinosaurs were like, "Oh crap, everything's changing now. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when you saw, that's why that movie made people go, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So we're at kind of a plateau, I think just in movie making. I mean, yeah, the technology is getting better, but we haven't seen holy crud moments. Right. And so I think that's why people also are let down with star Wars because it's not new you know from a from a visual or even you know from a visual effect
2: i'll give you an example i was just reading an article the other day uh today actually about 2001 stanley kubrick's movie and how he set out to make the one good science fiction movie because if you look at most science fiction movies from the 50s there were cardboard costumes ray guns (laughs) bad so so it was just it was b movie stuff which was fun but he didn't think it was good it could be better so he set out to make the one good science fiction movie and he makes 2001 and he puts it out on the movie screens and people are walking out of the theater perturbed disappointed mad at it there when the stargate sequence happens they're just walking out and he's like oh god i just created the biggest disaster in my career the critics are lambasting it but what happens it comes out at a moment when the counterculture of the early sick of the late 60s early 70s picks up on it they go Wow, we've never seen anything like this. This is a movie where it's 140 minutes, and only 42 of them have speaking, uh, you know, lines. You know, the rest is just in silence and classical music, and it ends in this trippy, out of nowhere science fiction sequence. So it finds an audience amongst young people in 1968 or 67, 68, when it comes out, that wasn't that was tired of what had come before and wanted something new. Same thing happens in Star Wars. Star Wars comes out in 1977 taking a lot of those B movie stuff that Stanley Kubrick Kubrick had rejected, but doing it in a good way, in a quality way. Hiring hiring and inventing and designing their own special effects, getting classical scores, getting thespians to play some of the roles, you know, that kind of thing. And you come to a moment where the audience was waiting for something like that to happen, but they just didn't know it. Hits the side, guys, next thing you know. Forty-two years, so it's gonna be forty-three in dismay. We're here talking about it. Yeah. So sometimes it's it's on the moment that you hit it. Some you know, cultural moments, whether it's music, whether whatever art, you know, music, movies, whatever. If you land in the right moment, you change history. If you land a few, you know, minutes earlier, minutes late, you get forgotten. Well, you know, maybe we're. Uh maybe we're all talked
1: out for this topic for
0: for this topic yeah and as as things get on in our head about Rise of Skywalker and I think it'd be fun to maybe do some character dives Um, you know that might be kind of fun in the future Uh, but we got other things coming up I still think that because I'm not a Marvel you know savant yet and (laughs) I yeah I think we might just have some things where Aaron watches a Marvel film and you guys got to set the order that I need to watch him in though. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so it can be like, Aaron goes to school day, but I have one last star Wars thing for you guys. A rumor. This is not confirmed. Uh, obviously one of the next big, uh, Disney plus, uh, series that's going to be coming out is the Obi-Wan series. And I'm really, like I said, has hesi- I'm really kind of, uh, you know, kind of guarded on this. Um, but, the rumor is, Jar Jar Binks.
2: Hmm. I'm at best, reprising the role. Don't
0: know if I'm at best will be, but Jar Jar Binks in the Obi-Wan series. That Obi-Wan encounters Jar Jar. Jar Jar's got a beard. Um, kind of, been, has been, apparently everybody has a beard now. you know. But anyway, he's got a beard, and he's uh kind of been living with the fact, you know, that is, you know, his decisions, you know, well, first of all, he kind of, you know, lost all of his friends and he was pretty much responsible for the creation of the Galactic Empire, you know, type of thing. But anyway, those are all speculation things, but Jar Jar Binks in the Obi Wan series. Instant thoughts.
2: That's fine. It'd be interesting to see. The notes that either Jar Jar's traveling the galaxy. You are
0: such the social worker. Oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> That'd be nice to see. You don't have that visceral, like, what? because or, because, I'm thinking, because like
2: I said it's execution <laughs> you do it in a everybody, way everybody needs
0: Fredo by their side when they're about <laughs> ready to make bad decisions Fredo's like you hey, know. Hey, <laughs> I help
2: plenty of people make bad decisions all the time I've
1: heard plenty of things in my life that sounded like bad ideas at the time but then like they- you know they worked out mm-hmm. so yeah I, that's one of those things I agree with you I, it really comes down to the execution mm-hmm. and the, the thing about the, that I'll say about Jar Jar is I'll defend him as a character is that a lot of people can relate to Jar Jar yeah it's like I'm I'm the klutz or I'm the I'm person, the goofy one I'm, I'm the, the goofy one who can't seem to get anything right or, or I'm the screw <laughs>
2: up who destroyed the republic <laughs>
1: and you know that's real that's a relatable character for a lot of people mm-hmm. so uh I'm not opposed to his return but uh
2: it would be a really interesting choice pa- particularly depending on how they do it like I said in Tatooine cuz he's been to Tatooine or is Obi-Wan off planet.
0: Well, you know that those I are know the things. I know your feelings on that. You do <laughs> want him off planet. Those are the things, man.
2: <laughs> Again, you know, this could go any number of course, ways
0: depending. Of course, Obi-Wan's story is about failure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is he is the flawed, you know, He's the uh, one who
2: lives with the regret for not he's seeing. He's a flawed
0: hero, you know.
1: Yeah, Jar Jar is his shadow in a way. Yeah. Cuz but I I love Obi-Wan. He's my favorite. So more Obi-Wan. Jar Jar, yeah, okay.
0: So, oh by the way, and one final thing, one of the great memes was it showed Ray burying the the sabers in the sand at the at the uh
2: Lars, Lars Homestead and
0: then next frame is Ghost uh General Grievous digging them out (laughs) so he's got two more lightsabers to add to his collection that was kind of funny but anyway all right well i think we're we're talked out on this topic and hopefully you enjoyed us here and uh friday we'll be dropping new episodes usually is what we're going for um you can find us on podbean you can find us on itunes Mm -hmm. um or apple Podcasts, whatever the heck they're calling you know we're aging Mm -hmm. ourselves by saying Mm -hmm. itunes but put it on um, your ipod (laughs) that's right um and uh, also facebook twitter yeah so and follow us all and uh, until then we will say who up
2: hood